everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lessing Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and I am joined by one of my podcast brothers, my brother under the bridge, so to speak, uh, a fellow <laughs> Springsteen podcaster. I have Rob with me today. Hey, Rob. Hey, Jesse. Yeah, in case you don't know, and if you don't know, you're missing out on some absolutely coolness. Rob Carmack does a Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet podcast. That's right. Which you would think would be kind of redundant because once he does <laughs> A, B, C, D, E, F, G once, what do you do it again? Wouldn't that be funny if we just had a recording of Bruce Springsteen literally singing the alphabet and we just talked about that every week? So um, speaking of, how far are you guys up in the uh, alphabet? We uh, – if you've been – well, I guess, I guess it depends on when you air this. Yes. You, how, how, how soon will this, will this air? Probably in a couple weeks. Okay, so, so yeah. as we record this, we are entering the, the Fs. And so okay. I guess we – by the time this airs, it will be, we'll be midway through the letter F. Rob, what um, – Excluding X and Y and Z, or what is the smallest, I guess, group of songs per letter? Or have you not gone that far to theme? Um, actually, no. I've I've got a whole I've got a master list. And actually, what you you mentioned Y Y is well populated. Oh, okay. So uh, I mean, think about your your Youngstowns. Your you'll okay. be coming down. You, any 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 song that starts with the word U. Okay. Like that's a that's a Y song. Um, I don't know. Probably Z. Like we've got one. Yeah. It's zero and Blind Terry is. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, outside of just the ones. Well, I guess you said a, a, excluding those. Um, like E was very short. Yeah, E was very short. E is not the shortest one. Uh, K is pretty short. I think we've only okay. got two K songs. Oh, okay. We've got like Kitty's back and um, ah, what's the other? K? There's literally one other K song, and I'm I'm drawing a blank on it at, mm -hmm. at the moment. Um. I don't know. Okay, because um, or Q. There's a couple Qs also. Yeah, I, I. If you haven't been listening to the podcast, I really do urge it and go back to the number. They actually started numerically. Not a lot of great songs that start with numbers, but no, uh, not but, a lot of songs that start with numbers. No, but we did. You know, he uh, JB and Rob did a full complete. It's it's a great podcast. It is so much fun. And unlike my podcast, they keep it pretty short. You know, 15, <laughs> 20 minutes, they're in and out, cover a lot of ground, and it is uh, a highlight every Monday, Wednesday, Friday when I see it on my feed. That is very kind of you, Jesse. Thank you. And by the way, the other K song is Kingdom of Days. Oh, okay. So there you go. But uh, th that's, again, very kind of you. Thank you so much. Uh, it's, we, we started this thing thinking, like, it'll be fun. It'll just give us a reason to talk about this, and no one will ever listen, so we don't have to worry about it being, like, factually correct or interesting in any sort of way. And then people started listening, and turns out it really does matter that we get things right and, you know, are interesting. What has surprised you most about doing the podcast? Oh, man. Well, so many things. I, I'm really glad you, you told me you were going to ask me that beforehand, because otherwise I'd have just been like, I don't know. But um, first of all, I have a list of three, and we can we can skip over. But the first no, thing no, no. is that people will listen to a podcast like this, even if it's even if it's just JB and me doing it. And they may complain, and they may like yell at us for getting like for not agreeing with them on their favorite song, and for not knowing Bruce's Little League baseball team name or whatever. But they will continue listening. Like yes. the the music, the love for the music will transcend their utter disdain for who's talking about it. 
You know what I mean? So I'm going to step in there, and I'm not going to disagree with you, but I'm going to disagree with you. Okay. I think <laughs> I think people – you have to like the person you're listening to. Like if you don't enjoy someone's personality or you don't – if you find their voice irritating or if you – they're just too, too negative, yeah. then I think you will quit listening to a podcast. So I think – they may lovingly give you grief about you know not liking songs or stuff, but I think there is definitely you guys have a following of people that like hearing your debate. Well, that's very kind of you to say, and I mean it. I, I appreciate that, and we we've certainly had. I think you're probably right. Like I, as you say that, I think like well, I probably wouldn't listen for very long to a podcast where I really honest to goodness like, just hated the person talking, you know? Um, but there was a guy, and I, I mean, he may or may not listen to this podcast. I've talked about him several times because this, this story just amuses the crap out of me. But this guy emailed us right after the Don't Look Back episode mm-hmm. where JB, JB and I disagreed. And I'll go ahead and say to your listeners, I love the song Don't Look Back. It's, okay. the, it's, it's one of the deleted tracks from uh, Darkness on the Age of Town. It's on tracks. I love it. JB does not like it at all. We had a guy email me. And um, and he said, like this, I, I, I'm 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 kind of saying it verbatim, but I'm summarizing as well. He basically said, like, I was about to give up on you guys because I was driving in my car listening to, to you talk about Don't Look Back, and I almost punched my dashboard. I was so mad. And he starts talking about how like JB is not a real fan, and like he's so like I mean, you could just like see the smoke coming off this guy's keyboard as I'm reading this thing, and. Um, and he was just so mad. And I'm like, I don't even know how to reply to this. Like, this guy is just like spitting vitriol. He's just so angry, and um, and he's not even angry at me. Like, I'm I'm like yeah. filtering. He's he's mad at JB, but he doesn't have JB's contact info, so he's messaging me. So, um, and so then like a week or so later, I mentioned on the podcast that I adopted that my my wife and I uh, we adopted a baby a couple of weeks or about a month or so ago. Right. And so I mentioned that on our podcast, and the guy emails me. Like later that after like whenever that episode airs and he's like, first of all, I'm really sorry. I lost my temper. And second of all, I just want you to know my two oldest kids were adopted and it was like the greatest thing ever. And so and so we ended up in this like really long, like drawn out conversation on Facebook. Actually, we were Facebooking about adoption. And it turns out – and this this has become one of my favorite stories because this guy was so mad because we disagreed – or because he disagreed with my co-host about this one song. But now we found something deeper and more, more profound that we have in common. And so now we're like email buddies. You know, like isn't that the craziest thing? That is the craziest thing. And I – I this actually – we're going to talk a little bit about this as we get through an awkward transition. It's actually how <laughs> I put it on the agenda. Yeah. I – kiddingly with you not liking dream baby dream you know Uh on twitter i said and my soul's a little sadder because you know and you knew that i was in fact you wanted me to be on this the recording to do that it would be so much better if you'd been there jesse (laughs) i was so bummed that you were were available that day you know i kind of you know if someone says oh glory days is the my favorite bruce springsteen song you know, we joke about that, that that's a casual fan. But you yeah. know what? Who cares? I, You know, the <laughs> song makes them laugh or has fun. Yeah, it, it brings know. them – I just never want to judge what someone feels about a song except in a playful way. I can't believe you don't like the song or the way you guys do. Oh, Jesse, you have no soul because you gave this song a two. Yeah, or how JB is always about the woodblock and Brilliant Disguise, even though it's yes. like the most gut-wrenching, beautiful song ever. Exactly. So. 
That guy is the worst. He, he's the best. He you is the guys, best. I love JB. I love my co-host JB. You, you know. guys have such a great chemistry and Thank such you. a friendship. He does go toward the sad sometimes, doesn't he? He's a hipster. He has to. It's the law. And he will share his history. So if you like hearing the reasons behind people's feelings, uh, you're going to love this <laughs> podcast. If, if you've ever wanted to like read JB's sad diary, then yeah, <laughs> please listen to our podcast. He, he's very forthcoming with his life story. In fact, we had, we, my wife and I had coffee with his wife, April, a while back, a couple of weeks ago. And she was talking about the podcast. She goes like, yeah, sometimes I think like JB really, like he, 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 tells, he tells you guys everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he does. Yes, he does. Yeah, even if it's about like crushes on like elderly women and or like you know weird relationships he got out of, just really anything. Yeah, he is uh, an open book. Yes, he is. Please, please check out uh, Bruce Springsteen sings the alphabet. We will have the link in the show notes um, at the end of the podcast. I'll have Rob give his uh, contact information. But Rob's day job is uh, not being a podcaster but he's a pastor so um and i just asked him because a lot of the posts rob has done on facebook have been really helpful to me during these past few weeks and months um i think after the orlando shooting is when i think you really said something that touched me first really yes I'm, um, i don't even remember what i said well, I'm so sorry. no 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 well you you posted first off i and i am someone who does not like to speak bad about people yeah but in many times i feel the christian right is neither christian nor are they right and nice. there is so much hate from people that should be preaching God's love. Yeah. <laughs> or I wish more leaders of any kind of church, synagogue, mosque, whatever, would take that kind of um, stand. Oh, well, thank you. So don't want to embarrass you. No, I, I appreciate it. That's very kind of you. I, sometimes I feel like I'm yelling into a like a like I'm yelling at a brick wall with with that basic idea. And so yeah. it's sad to me as a, as a pastor. It's sad to me how regularly I hear from pastors who don't have a like a drop of blood or drop of love in their entire like system. You know, like in yeah. fact, I uh, several weeks after the Orlando shooting, I had to change my sermon because a pastor near me preached a whole sermon about how basically the Orlando shooting was God's will. And I was like, man, screw that guy. So I had to, I had to like go, I like dumped whatever it was I was going to say. And I had to do a whole thing about like, no, it's what, what we're after here is, is love and redemption and reconciliation. And, and we have, um, we have a handful of, um, LGBTQ, um, really just, really just the L and the G we, we've not, as far as I know, re yeah. reached out. We, we haven't reached as far as I know any, uh, what, what what letters did I miss? B or T or yeah. Q? But um, but we do have that was a long way around the block. We have some same sex couples in our church. That's the better way to say it. And um, and my fear was like these these couple of individuals feel completely alone. They feel isolated. They feel, not only do they feel unsafe when they're out in public, they feel like they they and I mean they've expressed to me like nowhere have they ever felt 
safe within a faith environment. And that's awful. And that's, that's, that's our, that's our failing. We blew it. Like that's when a, when a person who is of a different sexual orientation or of a, of a non-traditional sexual orientation, I'm still learning all the vocabulary. Right. And and if that person comes to you and says, I've never, faith environments are the places where I feel least comfortable. That is us failing. Like we, we absolutely have failed them. And so um, I feel like my job is to try my best as in my tiny little community in Roanoke to push back against whatever like vitriol and darkness that group of people has faced. And I, I agree. Well, I think that's a good barometer for what we're trying to do here, which is like the, the question of will my kids feel comfortable having this conversation with me? You know, like for me, a lot of the work I put into like sermons or blog posts or what I write or po- even podcasts is if something ha- – God forbid if I die in like a, a bus crash or whatever and my kids don't know me as they get older, will they be able to go back? And and find things that I said that will validate them and get, and and tell them that they were they're loved no matter who they no matter who they become as they as they get older you know what I mean I do and I totally agree that is just what's perfect so what we thought we'd do is kind of talk a little bit not only about what we've just shared but I I said want to know. As there is there songs you use to lift your spirits, um, and I and I was going to use the opposite example. There are songs that sometimes you use to echo your feelings. In in college, I was in love with Jill Shakespeare. I mean, I adored Jill Shakespeare with all my heart and soul. And she said we had been dating on and off, I guess, over a year. And she's like, look, I just don't care about you the way you care about me. You know, I, I enjoy going out with you, but I just don't have this depth of love that you do. And I don't want to hurt you. And so, um, you know, so I went back and, man, I put on Linda Ronstadt's different drum on the <laughs> turntable with headphones and just kept playing you and I just over and over again, just wallowing in this pain. Yeah. So do you have a song where you wallowed in pain, uh, Rob Carmack? <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, I think, I think that is a totally valid thing that I think is often underplayed. Specifically, and I mean, I'm, I'm going to reference environments of faith because that's my world. But one of the things that – one of the great critiques, I think, of Christian art in general or even religious art in general, especially like 20, 21st century art, is that it lacks depth because it just goes all the way in. Like it doesn't go anywhere except for like things are great. You know, like – right. Like most Christian music is very bad for lots of different reasons, but one one of the things that makes Christian music really bad is that it just it's like Jesus is great and we all like Jesus and that's pretty much the whole thing and it doesn't get into like yeah but that's like the human experience is a lot deeper than that and if if you only skip forward to all like if your whole p- paradigm is walking on sh- sunshine then you've got some denial that you need to work through you know right and so uh, not that there isn't time for that I mean I'm not like JB I don't need everything to be a Tom Waits song but at the same right. time. Um, but yeah, and so like th- I think this is huge. I think this is why Nirvana was so popular. Kurt Cobain was writing about how a whole generation of people were feeling, yeah. you know. And so I think I, I do think everybody has those bands that we go to when we f- feel particularly down, and it's it's never songs that are designed to make us feel better. It's always songs that mirror pain back to us, just like what you said. So yeah, I um. So you asked about songs. I don't have a song specifically. I have a list of albums. So. Okay. If you do, we have to. Can I can I give you my list of albums? 
Is Absolutely, a- uh, you can. And so what what I did is I said, is there songs or albums that lift your spirits? And oh, so, or lift do you your want, spirits. Or do you have the sad ones first? I've got the sad one. Yeah, I've got I've, okay. got I've got songs for lift your spirits. I've got albums for like like okay. So go join ahead and me give- down in despair. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the like okay so album number one is from last year was what a terrible world what a wonderful world by the Decemberists do you like Ooh. the Decemberists I do not know their fine work but I am oh. making notes so good so good okay. Jesse um and I obviously I had to leave off every Bruce Springsteen like listen Bruce Springsteen is the answer to all these questions it's just like we're we're going beyond so I assume you wanted non Bruce Springsteen stuff. well and I I did both on my happiness um, though I do know oh, I that did too. yeah uh, on um, like. September 11th, I listen to The Rising every year, and I don't think I'm unique in that. I think know? that's a tradition that a lot of people share, actually. Yeah. I, have, I have another friend. I have a friend who's a musician who does that as well. Yeah. Um, so then okay. uh, there's uh, – my next one is Elton John's Tubbleweed Connection from 1971. Yeah. Do you know that album? I do. I love that album so much. It kind of reminds me of the band, and it articulates a lot of American angst, which is interesting, obviously, because Elton John is, was not American, but it was his right. first American album. And I think he really digs into, like, this is, the, this is the anxiety of what it means to be American right now. And, so, and I think it continues to be a really beautiful, true album. There's an album by a guy named Jason Isbell called Southeastern. Do you know yes, that one? I do. Because that's that's the album he made after he basically like came out of like crippling alcoholism, mm-hmm. and it is man, it is beautiful, it is raw, it is as honest as a record. It's a, it is a record about despair. And so if you are if you are driving around like <laughs> if, if like the world is bleak, then man, Jason Isbell will meet you there. You know. Yeah. Um, then there's one I'm confident you probably have not heard of. Uh, it's called The Ambassador by a guy named Gabriel Cahane. I think okay. that's how he pronounces his name. He was touring last year with the Punch Brothers. But the whole album is, is this really interesting concept album uh, because every, every track on the album is an, uh, is an actual physical address in the city of Los Angeles. And, um, and so e- each one sort of is sort of his own musings that he had while thinking about that space. And so the title track, is The Ambassador, is about there, – there was this old Hollywood hotel – and called the ambassador, and it was about the, it essentially represented the glory days of the original movie stars. And uh, then later on, that hotel, the ambassador, it was torn down. And so the the key line in the chorus of the song is the ambassador's been bleeding out, and now they've let her die. And so it's so powerful and beautiful. In fact, I was in L.A. back in January, and I wanted so desperately to go to the site where this hotel was and listen to the song on my iPod while standing on what is now a park where that hotel was. I couldn't make it happen. But I listen, do yourselves a favor. Go get The Ambassador by Gabriel, and his last name is Kahane. I Again, don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but K-A-H-A-N-E. So really, really beautiful. Then um, real quickly, I'll go through the rest. Wilco's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Okay. Um, that I that is their Darkness on the Edge of Town. We could have a whole conversation comparing that album to Darkness on the Edge of Town. Oh, we might have to schedule that. We should do that. It's yes. Do you like that album? Yeah, I do. Oh, so good. Um, Pink Floyd's The Wall. Yes. Is, so that that song has like all the emotions. And right. Just, uh, let's see. Counting Crows, August and Everything After. Um, anything by The National. Anything by Dawes. The Bins by Radiohead. These are all just really great. Like, man, these things will meet you where you are. And, of course, I had to throw in one, Bruce Springsteen's Magic. Yes. So, anyway, those are my albums that are, like, if you want something that will meet you in despair. So, Rob, um, with everything going on, though, do you have some songs that you use to kind of lift your spirits? 
All right, my first one. I don't even know how this one ended up on the list. I made a list and I whittled it down. And uh, my number five is Bob Dylan's Tangled Up in Blue. Okay. I don't know why. I don't know why that's the one. I mean, the album Blood on the Tracks is a beautiful – this is my favorite Bob Dylan album. Um, But, man, that song, I don't know. It always – it is so fun and – like it meanders and it's just I, I really I get into it every time he hits the chorus it it pulls me up I don't know what it is about that song but it does it, I, I never finish that song feeling worse than when I started oh nice I have no uh, other explanation for why that is mm-hmm. what about you so John Hyatt's have a little faith in me oh that's a good one uh, yeah I um there is a lot of history John Hyatt was a good friend of ours, Rick Lisko, found John Hyatt, like, back with Slugline. And when he was in high school and Linda was in high school, and he just fell in love with John Hyatt. And we ended up seeing him in Dallas back on Greenville Avenue when uh, Ellen's Redo was the uh, band. It was just him um, right after John had, had gotten – after Bring the Family – and um, I was um, unemployed at the time. This is not a theme with me. I I went through <laughs> – okay. I got a job shortly afterwards that lasted 14 years, and then my next job lasted nine. So, But at the time, I was unemployed, and um, he played Have a Little Faith in Me, and I was so moved because I was thinking about that with Linda going, you know, have have a little faith in me and believe in me. And so I, I just – I know that he has said that if, if, if he got money every time someone played that in a wedding, he would be rich. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. That's a good one, man. I yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, my second one is Mr. Jones by Counting Crows. Ooh, okay. I that, – that song to me – I mean we could get into the – I mean I would love to – if they had a bigger catalog, I would do an alphabetical Counting Crows. They're – outside of Bruce Springsteen, they may be my favorite band ever. Okay. And, and um, th- But that song – and a lot of their stuff is very sad. It's very like introspective and, and, and you know bummed out. That song though, even though it's got some pretty sad lyrics, it's really catchy and upbeat. But it's also just hopeful enough to pull you up because mm-hmm. the whole thing – I mean you're, I assume you're familiar with the song. Yes. I once worked for a guy who'd never heard that song, okay. and it bothers me a little bit that a person could exist in this world and have never heard that song. But because um, it's so ubiquitous, like you hear it at the grocery store, you know. Right. And, um, but anyway, so it's you know it's about how he's sort of dealing with his own dreams and his own like desires to be bigger than he is or more successful than he is, and and so it's it's him it's essentially like split into two places at once. He's he's the guy in the bar looking at the stage, but in his imagination he's the guy on the stage, you know, and he's also the guy dancing with Maria. And and so um I don't know. I I love it. I I love I love that it leaves it wide open for, for dreaming and for joy in the midst of sort of his like I haven't quite gotten what I want out of life yet. You know? Uh-huh. So I love that song. Oh good. Um, I have another, believe it or not, John Hyatt song, but it's a totally different. Is this a top five uh, John Hyatt? Yes, uh, that's <laughs> I would do alphabetical John Hyatt in a minute. Nice. Um, so the um, years ago, they had, there was this some kind of collection, and John Hyatt and Amy Grant did "Thank Someone," and it was a kids' album, and not chicken lips and gizzard hips or whatever (laughs) um shout out to the podcast um but the song totally is about you know you know if you 
you know, if you end the day without thanking someone, thank them in your sleep. And it is all about being grateful. And it just has, it's a very simple lyrics. Hyatt and Amy Grant's voice together is really beautiful. And so when I'm in a bad mood, I'll play that to kind of remind myself, you know, just to be thankful that, and, and I know this is oversimplification, but I really do believe a big part of it is, you know, the love you make is equal to the love you take, or I'm, I got that backwards, but no, that's, that's perfect. Yeah. The uh, love yeah. you take is equal. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. The love you take is equal to the love you make. And yeah. I just believe if we spent more time being grateful, it, 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 we would be in a better place, both mentally and physically and everywhere in this world. Without a doubt. Yes. For sure. Mm-hmm. We were just having that conversation with my six-year-old about yes. gratitude. So, yeah. Attitude, yes. Okay. So apparently adults, that's not something just adults figure out. No. No, it isn't. <laughs> yeah, man, that's good. Okay. All Next. right. So what are we, number three? Yes. Okay. This one, I was kind of surprised that this one ended up making my final cut, but it makes me, I'm, I'm happy about it anyway. It's a song called I Want to Get Better by the band Bleachers. Do you know, okay. you know the song? I do not. I want to get better While my friends were getting high And chasing girls down parkway lines I was losing my mind Because the love, the love, the love, the love, the love That I gave Wasted on a nice face In a place of fear I put a helmet on a helmet Counting seconds through the night And got carried away So now I'm standing on the overpass Screaming at the cars Hey, I want to get better No, I'm slowly Till I saw is a guy it's run by, or it's basically just this one guy with the, with a backup band but it's uh, Jack Antonoff from the band Fun mm-hmm. and uh, he this song came out a couple of years ago and he, they shot a really interesting music video with a bunch of uh, like comedic actors in it and uh, essentially it's just about like this guy articulating all of his own like self-aware like all the ways he's aware that he like lacks for perfection or you know like all, all the reasons he's sort of like not functioning at the level he needs to and, and so the the um the chorus is sort of like a scream of I want to get better like I and, and it's this but it's so poppy and fun and loud and it, I mean it has that fun in like fun as in the band fun but infused um it's it's just you, you can't you can't help it it's, it's a like turn the radio up as loud as you can kind of song and it's it's one of those like there have been there have been some days where I'm driving home after a Sunday or after a long, like maybe I've had a, a couple of rough encounters with people who are not super thrilled with how I'm doing in my job. And, mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's one that gets cranked up on those, on those trips home. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Good. It's a good one. Uh, my third, which I guess you'll see a theme here, um, is, uh, from Will Rogers Follies. Never met a man I didn't like. Um, it, oh man, you're thinking outside the box. I didn't even go to show tunes. That's great. Um, there are. What's sad is I have a playlist called Faith in my car. That, That's not sad at all. That when I feel like when I was, you know, when I'm going to do something tough or when I was going on job interviews, I would have these Faith songs that are playing just to kind of get me butt. But it's a get it together playlist. Yes, like it that. is. Um, you know. Will Rogers was famous for saying, I never man, I met a man I didn't like. And the the lyrics in Show Tombs are so well, but it talks about if you you know walk a mile in his shoes, 
you would understanding and I get very upset at especially it seems lately how less understanding and less we're both from the Dallas area and we just had a beautiful uh, memorial service for the five officers shot and you know they talked about people tend to think of their best self and judge other people by their worst moments best intentions compared to other people's worst moments and i yeah. just i i wish that we did more of you know i'm before i complain i'm going to look at it from their perspective yeah man that's good that's good that's healthy i think so yeah i'm getting deep on it so, all right next yeah, you take are. us out all right uh my number or i guess my number 2 cuz i'm counting yeah. back are you counting backwards or are you yes counting? i am Okay, good. Okay, my my number two song is "I've Got a Feeling" by the Beatles. That's awesome. I love that song so much. That yes. that song is that's my favorite. Well, it's my second favorite Beatles song, but it's uh, mm-hmm. it's my favorite joyful Beatles song. Yeah. And um, man, it's that's great. I, it's one of those like it, there there are a couple of bands that I've seen live who cover that song. I've I've never been upset when someone chooses to cover that song. That always makes me feel good. I love that song so much. That is awesome. I. It it could have made my list because you're right. There's a lot of Beatles music because of especially early Beatles that energy and joy that just make you smile. Yeah. Um, you know, so, yeah, I'm right there with you. Well, and the thing that's interesting about I've Got a Feeling, not that this is a Beatles podcast, but the thing that's interesting about I've Got a Feeling is that it was recorded the very last time those guys ever played together. And so it's this interest. It's like the last drop of joy that those guys had left. They poured into that one final recording of that song. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like all the all the hate and all the anger that they felt towards one another, all the bitterness and the, the creative backstabbing and all the all the things those guys carried with them up to the top of that roof. Man, they just as soon as they, they start playing, I've got a feeling and like John is doing the echo thing and Paul's doing the main vocals. And it's like, oh, my gosh, there's still there's still those guys there's I mean, and maybe maybe the band has died, but like at, at least they haven't lost the that entire parts of themselves, you know, and in a timey wimey science fiction way, you know, in a different world where Lennon was not shot. You wonder if they had just – the four of them might have just shown up at some small club and just played for the joy of it. I, it, I would love to think that except Ringo and Paul are both still alive and those guys will never work together again. Yeah, but <laughs> maybe, that I mean? is, maybe that is because though the other two – see, I'm thinking the best. I'm thinking because of yeah, the shadow of the other two. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean like – because they could totally do it if, if they yeah. really wanted to. If they wanted to make the most money any musicians have ever made ever, right? Paul would call Ringo and say, "Hey, listen, let's get let's get Eric Clapton to come in and do Georgia stuff." Yeah, and then we'll get I don't even know who. Just name name a good British like musician, broody yeah. musician, and we'll the four of us will go on. We'll call ourselves the New Beatles, and yeah. people will go bananas. They yeah. will absolutely. I mean, people turned out for what like. When Journey hired that one kid from Vietnam to come well, sing for him, you know what I mean? Like, if you had see Paul and well, go ahead, yeah, if you had John, uh, Sean uh, Lennon or oh, there you go, yeah, that, yeah, you'd be great. You could have the Beatles and family. So there you go. They're not going to do yeah, it though. That's great, man. That, yeah. That's way better than the New Beatles. The New Beatles is a terrible title. You shouldn't <laughs> yeah. call it that. But uh, I mean, just call it the Beatles. Call it a Beatles reunion show because like Eric Clapton. 
I mean, he played on the White Album, so I mean, to sure. bring him along to do the George Harrison stuff is not like totally out of the question. So no, not at all. Okay, I like it. Let's make it happen. Come on, Paul. 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 If you're out there, listen. Listen <laughs> yes. to me. Listen to the sound of my voice. Call right. Ringo. Tell him you're sorry, and tell him we're getting the band back together. Yes. Make the world happy again, Paul. And while you're there, um, join us on Set Last Thing Bruce to talk about how mad were you when they turned the power off. You know, on Bruce, and then you could also do a cameo of what your favorite. You could uh, join um, Bruce Springsteen's The Alphabet, and they'd work it out where any of the three songs that were in the alphabetical order, you could talk. You They wouldn't break your format for you, Paul, but they would do it. I don't know that we could have Paula. I mean, like, listen, we've had some pretty famous people call us, and we've been like, listen, we can't. I mean, I don't want to say who, but like yes. – you know, if if Bruce Springsteen were to call us and be like, "Listen, guys, I'd really like to be in your podcast," my answer would be like, "Listen, we don't have time for that. We 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 cannot suffer divas over yeah. here. We're, we got a job to do." Absolutely. So uh, it would ruin the whole thing if Bruce Springsteen came on. And I don't know if Paul McCartney would do the same thing. Too, okay. So. Well, there you go. Listen, Paul, you an email. Um, my number two song, "We Are Each Other's Angels," from written by Chuck Brodsky, but I love the Sarah Hickman cover. Oh, interesting. Yes, um, it is on her newborn CD. Uh, she also did a different version on one of her adult CDs. Um, I just think it's a very beautiful song um, because I do think at times we are each other's angels, or at least we should be. So I listened to that uh, to kind of remind me how to behave and how to think. Sometimes you stumble Sometimes you just lie down Sometimes you will get lonely With all these people around Oh, you might shiver when the wind blows Oh, yeah, you might get blown away might lose a little colors you you might lose a little faith oh but we are each other's angels oh and we meet when it is time oh keep each other going Show each other signs. Oh, nice. Thanks. And well, okay. <laughs> All right. Are, are we ready for number one? Yes, I'm ready. All right. My number one song, my number one non-Bruce Springsteen song for lifting our spirits is the song Home by Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zero. Bye. 
just so warm and enduring and it is it, it creates the atmosphere that it describes you know what i mean yeah because it's 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 these two people it, it's got this kind of throwback kind of sound to it it's these two people and they're singing about how much they love each other and it is it is just it's so upbeat and it's just so bouncy and fun really everything like that that first edward sharp album the uh up from below it had that it had another song called 40 day dream it had like there were a couple of other songs on that album that Really could have easily made this as well. This could have been the Edward Sharp Memorial top five list. Like they are so joyful, and I really, really love that. So, um, so that, but that to me, that, that's like the centerpiece of the whole thing. Is nice. Yeah. As most people know, I have two passions slash obsessions: uh, Bruce Springsteen and Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys. So his song "Love and Mercy" is something that I go to fairly often. Oh um, man. Yeah. That's good. I, I like. I can't tell you how many Beach Boy songs got cut off this list for me. So right. Go ahead. Go ahead. And oh, and there is nothing. I mean, if you just want to feel joyous, throw in, you know, Beach Boys "Endless Summer" or just you know any Beach Boy collection. There's been so many. Yeah. Any other albums, and it just is, you know, fun, 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 and catch a wave and surf and safari. You will smile, but. Um, I just love Love and Mercy, and it is a song that I I think of a lot when the film came out based on with Cusack as the older Brian Wilson, Paul Dano as the uh, younger Brian Wilson. Oh, man, how good uh, is know, that movie? It is so it, – it is – it's so much about creativity and how yes. love conquers all, and um, it just – and I tell you what, every time when – and it's at the end, and she says, what's now? And they start playing Wouldn't It Be Nice? Oh, just, ah, love that so yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so, good. Very nice. All right, so now then, we'll flip it over to Bruce. Okay. So I'll start this time. Go that for it. That way we can end with yous. I want Bruce to do a gospel record so bad. <laughs> well, he did We Shall Overcome. That's pretty dang close. It is close. Um, but I just I – just, and – this actually comes from his live in Dublin, This Light of Mine. When they do that song, I, I don't I, – you're younger than I am, but you know, I was a Baptist kid growing up, would go to church camp, you know, and we'd be singing Do Lord and all these different songs and This Light of Mine. <laughs> yeah. And when I hear that Seeger Session band play that with just all that energy – um, it was on my workout playlist, like when I'm walking, because oh, cool. it just gets you moving that every, so that's my first Bruce one cover, but just, it makes me smile every time. Yeah, man. 
Uh, mine, man, y- you would not think to put this one on there, but uh, Reason to Believe is my number five. I I, I totally agree. Yeah? Because yeah. it's, I mean, I realize it's on Nebraska, which is probably Bruce's saddest album. And um, and it's it's basically about a bunch of people who life is not working out the way they want it to. But the, the refrain of still every hard-earned day people find some reason to believe in, I'm like, yeah, they do. Like that's that's what it that's what it means to be alive, man. Like that's that's where it's at. So, man, re- yeah, reason to believe. That's my uh, that's my go to. Like I, I'm I'm at the very bottom, and I need to I need to like move up one more notch. You know what I mean? Like that's where I go. This is. I always I talk about that sometimes that there is such a hope in Bruce's music, even in his darkest album. The yeah. most stark reason to believe is on there. So yeah, great pick. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah, it it almost made my list, and I'm not exaggerating. We're gonna have some overlap. I'm almost yeah, positive. There's yes, no we way. are. Yeah. Um, on high hopes, this is your sword. Yeah, is such a wonderful song, and that's why. I mean, that is this your number four? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I skipped you, right? I'm no, no, no. Up. You didn't. I, you, okay. I, I, I didn't know. I didn't know that's if you were right, about no. to like. Yeah, I didn't four, think this was yeah. your number four. If this was yeah. gonna be like you, you no, just have this that. is number four. It is, I, I just, I love the idea of, you know, your faith is your armor. You know, I don't know. Did you sing "Onward, Christian Soldiers" as a kid? <laughs> so, I did, and I, I can't tell you like all. Okay, th- th- this is a whole other tangent. We can go back through all the different songs that we were taught as kids in church. That I, now I, I look back on, it and I'm like, that's not okay. Yeah. Don't talk about you know what I mean, but yeah, but yes, yeah, I uh, I totally did know that song, and so, but I love this. This is your sword. This is your shield. This is the power of faith revealed, and and I just it is, it is a song that I replay fairly often, just as something to remind me that you know faith and hope and love, you know, are powerful stuff. Yeah, man, that's great. Well, in the refrain, faith, hope, and love show up several times in Bruce's music, and like yes. that's you know that's not a mistake. No, you know, it's it not isn't. an accident. Not at all. Yeah, dude, that's a good one. Um, well, my number four is Land of Hope and Hope and Dreams. It's on yes. your list, isn't it? Oh yeah, yes it is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I knew it. as soon as I put it down, I was like, man, Jesse's yeah. just gonna put this one on his list. Like, yeah. um, but oh my gosh, come on now, like the whole thing, it's it's so enduring and it's so. And a lot of times with the longer stuff, you think, like, did it need to be this long? And in, in this one, I'm like, yeah, it did, because, like, there's lots of people on that train, you know? And so yeah. um, I love it. I saw him do it when I saw him in Jersey, and, oh, dude, it's it's just so uplifting. Like, you can't you can't feel bad about humanity after you've heard that song, you know? I, I totally agree with you, Rob. In fact, someone brought up a good point. He most always introduces it, too. Yeah, this is land of hope and dreams, and um, it's such a powerful beginning, and um, I, I, I use that as my go-to uh, when someone um, passes, and you have to go to the obituary, you know, at the funeral home, and you can put some stuff. I usually quote that, um, and um, you know, I've told the story many times. I. I spoke it at my father's funeral. I spoke it at my friend Rick Lisko, who introduced me to John Hyatt's funeral. 
And I hope many years from now, Chris will speak it at mine. Mm. So a- absolutely. I just love that song. Ah, so good. Yes. Well, it's your turn. Is that one your, is it your number four? I bet it's higher uh, for you, isn't it? No, no, no. It is. Uh, this is, um, <laughs> I almost did not put this on the list, but I'm like, you know, I have to go dream baby dream. <laughs> 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 yeah. for Rob. But I do think JB and you brought up a good point. Part of the reason why, and also because the writer of the song just died I was as we're say, recording I this. I so bad. I trashed that song so hard on our podcast, and then the guy died like a week later. And I was yes. Like, and, uh, and he talked, and he, I don't know if you saw the tweet, but Rolling Stone said, you know, he quoted that, I want to hear Bruce's version of that song on my deathbed as the last thing I hear. Oh man! <laughs> Thank you, Rob. <laughs> yeah, I felt I felt so bad. Like I mean, that just goes to show you: be careful what you say, because like if you trash a song publicly, mm-hmm. the person yeah. who wrote it may die soon, and you'll be you will yeah. be reminded by multiple mm-hmm. people at how mean you were about this this beautiful piece of art that this person apparently made. So well, and I think the reason why it has a personal um feeling is i love the song i the first thing it, the video they made of the end of the wrecking ball tour was set to that yeah and and i even you have to admit that video captures the beauty of seeing bruce live well, I mean, I can't say anything bad about it now. The guy died. Like, I'm even if I don't think that, I can't say it. Well, you can say it. It's no one's listening. It's my ah. podcast. It didn't like yours. Oh, man, yeah, you're the number one Bruce Springsteen podcast. Yeah. Um, so you're the anyway. Jackie Robinson of Bruce Springsteen podcast. So that's why I fell in love with it first because they had all those scenes of people in the audience, you know, watching him perform, and then um, it is truly almost like a meditation mantra. And so if you think of it as that, and even you admitted, uh, if I remember correctly, that maybe on that you yeah. can see how that would be. I mean, it is it is Bruce's version of the rosary. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dream, yeah, baby, dream, sure. dream, baby, dream. So from that spirit, that's why I put that on there. Yeah, and, I, and I, you're right. I did admit, like, as a guided meditation, it is perfectly adequate. But as a Bruce Springsteen song at the end of an album that is otherwise pretty rockin', yes. Like I'm like, where did we like what? How did the, how did we end up here? And maybe if we put it on like Devils and Dust or like mm-hmm. uh, Ghost of Tom Joad, I would have been more receptive to it. But yes. I don't know. Well, we know that that's where Rob's going to get a soft drink if it plays live. Well, usually if he play if he plays it live, I'm I'm going to my car and yeah, I'm going to beat the because yeah. that's usually the last song. <laughs> Very nice. I'm okay, like, I'm going to beat all you chumps to the highway. Yes. <laughs> all right. Okay, I'm okay. Uh, my number three song is "The Promised Land" from "Darkness on the Edge of Town." So is good. that on your list too? No, it isn't. But okay. Yeah. <laughs> Was that a sigh of agreement or a sigh? Oh, of I agree. Just okay. I'm not a bo- I'm a boy. I'm a man, and I believe in a promised land. It's yeah, just... yeah, man. That song. I the very first time I heard that song, it was. I, I'm sad to say it was so late in life. It was. Uh, it was 2007. It was. It was actually the first song I ever heard Bruce perform, like in a in a in a con in any sort of real context. Because it was. It's what it was what he played 
at the Today Show, um, the the first time I ever saw him do anything on TV. This was this was my entry into Bruce Springsteen. Okay. He, he was promoting the Magic album, but he played the Promised Land. And as I was watching that, I was preparing to go to a funeral for a 19 year old kid who di- who died in a car accident. Mm. And um and I mean that I mean the reason I discovered Bruce Springsteen is because that like watching him perform that song infused me with a sense of I can do this, you know. And so. Um, so yeah, man, I mean, I, I, I can't not put that song on this list. That's, that's a powerful story, Rob. Well, that you. is greatness. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. My number two is, um, Better Days. Um, yeah. I just, I love that. And, and I've, I believe Better Days is telling us, and I was lucky enough, um, you guys had me talking about that on the podcast, but it is a philosophy of, no matter how hard things are, no matter how much the, you have to focus on the journey and enjoy that journey because these are the better days. And I especially need to remember that when things are going poorly or things are going against us or we see so much you know, sadness and hate in the world that focus on what's good and the better days are now and I think coming forward. Yeah, well, and it's the concept of being fully present, right? It's the right. idea of like being fully aware that your life, like where you are now, that's the only real thing about your life. You know, like every other thing is either a memory or an idea about what might happen. The only thing that truly exists is now. And so when when you begin to articulate that these are the better days, it's these these are this is all we have. You know, yes. and so you can, it's gratitude or bitterness, but either way, you're in it. Like this is this is life now. You know, I think one of the uh, one of the wisest things Linda ever said, and Linda is my wife, and she said many wise things, but she said, I think a lot of times parents want another child, not because they want another child, but they want to go back to that time where their their son was a baby. They want to yeah. relive those times. And not that a lot of people want other children, but – and I think that it's easy to get stuck, especially you're during the hard times, right, where your new yeah. son isn't sleeping and, and you've got that worry and you're, you just talked about you know the big brother and big sister and building that together. But that's, that's where the magic is. That's where the joy is. Yeah, and man. even when you're not sleeping – when when he's 16 and doesn't have time for you you're gonna wish you know right yeah i'm not i don't know that i'm gonna wish that he would wake me up at three in the morning but at the same time i I certainly will wish that he would let me sit with him you know yeah and even now like i i did a whole i mean this is a whole tangent but in the first year of our church i did a i did a a four-week study on this book in in the bible known as it's called ecclesiastes and the whole thing about ecclesiastes is this guy is like musing over his life and he's realizing like how basically like how fleeting all of life is like in in the word he the hebrew word he uses for it is havel and often it's translated as meaningless but really the the actual translation is is that it's vapor and what what he means by that is like vapor is something that only exists just long enough for you to recognize that it was there you know and so like if you spray something out of a spray bottle it doesn't linger it's just gone Right. You know, and so and so when he says like all of life is Havel, he's saying like you you have no idea how fast this thing is slipping through your fingers. And so in the process of like working through that whole thing, I I decided that I would since I, I office at home that I would uh, institute a one hundred percent always. 
tea party policy in my office, which is to say when my when my daughter who is now who just turned four and she loves having tea parties, whenever she walks into my office and asks me to have a tea party with her, I will stop literally whatever I'm doing. If she comes in now, I got to stop the podcast. And um, she's asleep. But um, but uh, but yeah. And and it's because the the reality of it is like there will come a day and I won't even know it's happening. But there will come a day where she comes in and she wants me to have a tea party with her on the floor of my office. And it'll be the last time she'll ever do that. And I don't yes. know when it's going to be. And so the question is, will I be present for that or will I brush her off and finish it too quickly? And then I'll miss what I will then soon look back on as the good old days. So you may make me cry. Oh, but wow. it, okay. it's a good thing. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's you know, though, that is that is it. That is perfect. I, I will remember, you know, I had because of situations i had a very um steady job when chris was growing up like i he i started my job at um in 1989 when he was like two months old and i stayed for 14 years so by the time he started kindergarten and first grade i was the manager of a team and i could take off and so i was the cub scout leader i went on the field trips i did you know i was the parent that went and read at school and you know and my wife because of her job couldn't and i'll never forget the time when i said oh they were doing a field trip and i said oh okay i'll ask the day off yeah dad i just assume you not chaperone and rob it a knife through the chest yes right yeah and and i went Okay, you know, and then went back crushed. Yeah, man. You know, so man. yeah, good, good Brutal. stuff. It's getting yes. real up in here, Jesse. It is getting still. Yes. All right. <laughs> Are we to number two? Uh, is that your number two? Better days. Better days is yes. Okay. Um, okay. My number two is my city of ruin. Yes. You know, perfect. really, and and parenthetically, almost anything from the rising. Yes. But my city of ruins. I um I, uh, another one that I saw him do in um in jersey and it was right after clarence had died and so there, there was this whole sort of specter of like loss and and sorrow and he did he, he went on this whole rant about you know about like we're followed around by the ghosts of our past and and so but then you know after that's over he goes into that and then like the end of the song of course is come on rise up like come on man like that's that's too yeah. much that's too good right like oh. how many how many people? I mean, that's why Bruce is a like down deep in his soul. He's a gospel preacher because that song. It's a song about resurrection, dude. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you've ever gone through the demise of a thing, and you think like it's never, it's never coming back, or the joy, or the love, or whatever it is, whatever thing that I experienced, I'll never experience that again. That song insists that yes, you will. You will rise up because the whole thing is about renewal and restoration. It- Come on. Uh, yeah, it, come on. I totally agree. <laughs> you know, and boy, and we, I, I really think in a lot of ways, two things made me from a casual fan to a passionate fan. And the first was after 9 11, when you had that fundraiser mm-hmm. and they opened to the E Street Band doing that song. And you went, wow, this is crazy. And then seeing him on the rising tour in Dallas and, you know, and going, oh, my goodness. So, yeah, great choice and um, perfect, perfect. 
Ah, thank you. So um, not a surprise. Number one for me is Land of Hope and Dreams. We've kind of already talked about it. it is, I think if I had to put one song um, of Bruce, it would be tough not to do Thunder Road, Born to Run. I mean, so many songs. But I think if I had just one song, it would be Land of Hope and Dreams. I, I just, it is just so much about renewal and we're gonna throw back what too many times people think oh my goodness i can't get out of my situation oh there's no hope for me and this song can be not only about moving on to the next life but man i think i think bruce and we we talked actually we talked very recently about this on our podcast which is i think bruce is a liberation theologian which to me i think i think bruce thinks like no the hereafter is a hustle what we're after is we're after like the better life now yes. we're after we're we're after giving people liberation and hope and faith and love we're we're about giving that stuff out right now and anybody who wants it come on because this train is moving you know what i mean yeah so um so he's yeah i think i think bruce is casting a vision for we like we don't have to die to find a better world. Let's 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 build one together, and it it, it needs everybody. It needs the gamblers. It needs you know. It needs it needs everybody. So come on, let's so do this. My wife doesn't like the song. I always pick at her because it's got the word whore in it. That is not the reason. No, that's, that's I know. It. You just don't, I don't like. I don't love that word either. But yeah, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> I understand what he's saying. I always think about you know if I was ever asked to. Um, speak at a church or service would you how would you change that because that just does seem though you know it's it's perfectly appropriate but it is a hard word in that it is well it's yeah. a word that actually is in the bible i'm actually i'm I'm gonna end up preaching a text very soon that uses that word and i'm <laughs> i'm really wrestling over like can i find a version because can i find an alternate version of the bible that like softens that word i really hate that word but yeah um, but yeah man okay it's, uh, and your number one? My number one. I mean, you mentioned it a second ago. Thunder Road is is my number one, man. That's uh that song. It's I mean, the pedal is to the floor. Like just the final line. Like we're pulling out of here to win. You know, like it doesn't. It, it's a song about beginnings. It's a song about. I mean, it, it's a song about hope. Like all, all these. Like the thing that the 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 through line for all these songs is they're all about hope in the midst of a situation. Where no one has any reason to really feel any sort of hope, you know. At the end of every hard-earned day, we all find some reason to believe, and these songs are proof of it. And Thunder Road to me is an articulation of this guy, and he's got his whole life ahead of him, and he's not going to let it pass him by. And the thing is, if you're alive, you still have your life ahead of you, or some of it at least. You know, you have some some amount of life ahead of you. And so, to to find yourself in despair, I, I one of one of my favorite writers likes to say that. D- the the definition of despair is the belief that tomorrow will be just like today, you know. And so Thunder Road is the insistence that no, it won't be. It's going to be better, and you and I and you're not going to believe what it's going to be. So let's go. Let's go on this trip together. That is so beautiful and it's so true. I I I some I remember being a young man reading a book. It was an Ellery Queen mystery. And someone got married at 40, and I was like 19, and I said, why would you get married at 40? You're an old man, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> spoken like an arrogant 19-year-old, right? Right, yeah. And, and you just – it is true. It is – there's always a 
there's always room to change and to move and to get better. And, um, you know, the car's out back and we're waiting. So, well, great pick. Great pick. Good. (sighs) See, I feel all better already. All right, good. Well, then we've done our job. Absolutely. What are there any specific things you're asking some of your congregation or uh, friends to do to kind of keep things moving, small things to do to kind of help? Um, yeah, I mean, it, this is something I've been really thinking about a lot because that's the question. It's like, what do we do? You know, because and I mean, the context, of course, we're talking about is like this has been, I mean arguably like the most violent summer in like in known memory for for you know in my lifetime yes. at least you know like it's it, you can't go a week like i can't like i think we're like three or four weeks in a row i've had to start our church services with like okay this thing happened we're going to create some space so we can grieve so we can mourn so we can pray for people who have suffered you know and so like every, it's if it's orlando if it's Alton Castile or um, Al- Alton Sterling or Philando Castile or Dallas or France or Turkey or I mean, oh, my gosh, come on. Baton or, Rouge and or Baton like, Rouge. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're like double dipping in Baton Rouge. It's crazy. And yeah. so um, and a lot of it is it has to do with terrorism, but most of it has to do with racial tension. And so to me, I don't know. I mean, the thing I've been really trying to help people here is and i mean i say this and i i always contextualize it by saying like look i'm a 35 year old white pastor from the suburbs you know like right. i don't my 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 knowledge and my context is limited at best and so for me to, in fact i know a guy who's a pastor who very recently like stood up in front of it or like posted on his blog or his facebook page like here's how you, like the race problem isn't really this it's this and i'm like dude you don't know a thing like you right. it's entirely possible you've never been in a room with a black person so like let's let's right. let's ease off like your expertise on how to in the race issues so um so basically all that to say i think the best way to help is is honest honestly to to listen and um, and I realize that's kind of cliche, but it's something that not many people I know are doing. And and don't and specifically don't feed into the hate because it's this it's this weird cycle of like arguing and yelling. And it's always and I mean we I could go on a whole tirade here, but I mean let's 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 call it what it is. There is such a thing as white privilege. And when white people don't want to acknowledge it, or when white people are like, "That's racist," like, come on now, no, it's not. It's you. It, you think it's racist because equality to someone who's always been in power feels like oppression. And so, um, and so when when we call out white privilege, people struggle with that because they don't want to acknowledge the fact that they've benefited from a system that has hurt people. And so, to me, the best thing that people specifically in my congregation can do because we're mostly white um is is to stop pretending like we know what we're talking about and and to to at the very least ask questions like why why are there so many people who feel so angry and emotional and why why are there so many people who are brokenhearted over this why and why does this keep happening you know and and so um yeah, so my 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 great solution is to stop talking and and to start like listening to people who don't see the world. Like, if you have a bunch of people who say like our world is different than your world, then like learn what that world is. Like, in in fact, I uh, one of the best books I've read this year is a book called Between the World and Me by a guy named Ta-Nehisi Coates, who writes for the, the Atlantic. In the whole book, he is. Have you read the book by the way? No, I haven't. It sounds I got to check you, it out. It, it's it's brilliant and it's heartbreaking. But it's uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates is an African American writer. And he – the whole book is written in second person. He's writing to his 14-year-old son who 
and and he wrote he started writing it the night that the George Zimmerman verdict came in. And George Zimmerman, of course, was the neighborhood watch guy who shot and killed Trayvon Martin, who was unarmed. He was uh, guilty of walking through a neighborhood wearing a hoodie while black. And so, right. uh, and George Zimmerman was acquitted of murdering him. And um, and so Ta-Nehisi Coates, and when when the verdict came down, he was he was watching the news with his son, and his son was so like hurt by that, like he, like he just he he just like went into his room and closed the door, and he wouldn't come out. And so, and and so this book between the world and me is basically him writing to his son and saying like. I understand why you feel this way, and here's here's why it hurts, and here's here's what it's been like for me, and so and then he published it, and like I read this book, and by the way, I read this book in February, and then in June we adopted a baby who happens to be African American, and so now the reality of this got way more real for me, and so um, because that's the world he's going to grow up in, and so that's these are questions I'm having to learn to ask in a much more personal, tangible way, so so for me. The solution. I'm. I'm. I'm picking. I'm so sorry. I'm Jesse. I'm taking such a long time to answer. No. This no. No. You were go, continue on. But, um. But to me, I. I, th- I think the the best thing a a white person of privilege. And by the way, you have privilege. Like if you're listening to a podcast on on a device right now, you have some amount of privilege. And so to, um. And and I mean, I, I'm not interested at all in the debate uh, between like, well, I you know I grew up poor, so I'm not I don't have white privilege. Like, well, there's a whole that's a whole other conversation. But anyway, if you are white, you need to understand that the world is different for you than it is for lots of people. And so, what is it? What is that? And I'm not saying like demonize the police. And I'm not saying that we you know that every everything is like re- deserves like a big major knee jerk reaction. I am saying though that maybe there's some things you don't understand. And so maybe at the very least stop stop shouting and start like asking some questions from the people who claim who who seem to be the most hurt by this. You know what I mean? I, I do Rob and I I applaud that and I echo it. You know, I'm a fifty seven year old white guy. Uh, grew up in Louisiana. I, you know, predominantly white neighborhoods my whole life. Um, and it is I'm smart enough to understand that I don't understand that perspective. Yeah. We were at lunch one day with a coworker. Um, she was African American. My friend was another white male, and we were talking. She's like. Oh, you never tell the police anything. What? Oh yeah, just you if they ask you a question, you don't answer. Yeah. And I'm like, what and you know, later he and I talked about, you know, we were raised in a world where the police officer is your friend and you would tell him anything and she was raised in a world where anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. And I'm, I'm overly exaggerating, but yeah. it, it's it's a different environment and i i think this isn't just about race it's about a lot of things where people will well i would never do that well you don't know what you would do till you see the circumstances yeah and perhaps be just a little less judgmental and a little less confident about your beliefs well it's it's a matter of being defensive because if you acknowledge that there's racism you also are tangentially acknowledging that you're a part of it Right. You know. And, you know, I think sometimes the other thing I really think we should do is to acknowledge I, I don't know what to say or I don't know what to do. 
Absolutely. I'm listening and, and whatever I can do to help, I will. And that is what I'll go back to what I said at the very beginning of the podcast. One of the things that I admire about you, Rob, as a leader, you know, of the community and, and, and as a, you know, as a leader in the church, you're going, I don't know what to say, but I just want to say, I'm sorry. And I wish, let me know what I can do to help. And if we did more of that, and I'm getting a little bit of this very slightly because as all of you know who's listening, my Twitter handle is at Jesse Jackson DFW. And as you can imagine, there has been a lot of negative things shot at me in Twitter because they think I'm the Reverend Jesse Jackson. No, what you've been the victim of racism? Oh. Because they think you're the other oh, Jesse Jackson? I, I have blood on my hands. <laughs> yes. That is dude, you, that's like <laughs> that's crazy. Reverend like, Al Sharpton Jesse Jackson, they oh, just uh, President Obama. I get tweeted, especially during this latest time, and each of them I reply, "Wrong, Jesse Jackson. I'm a podcaster from Dallas." Wow, <laughs> so, it does, and that's how that's how ugly and angry Twitter can get. Is like they, they don't even differ. They don't, no one even stops to like look at your like. <laughs> no one even stops to look at your picture. So <laughs> we like, I wonder if this is the right guy. And what was funny is, you know, I met the Reverend a few years ago, and I have a picture. It's a very blurry picture of him and I together. That's and really someone cool. said, if that was your Twitter handle, they still would go, why is the Reverend Jackson got a picture with some white guy? Oh, <laughs> so, Jesse. <laughs> so, You've got to make that your your Twitter handle. Yeah. You've got to. Yes. So You'll anyway. thousands more followers. I guess lots so. Of, yes. Lots of anger, apparently. Yeah. So – um, thank you, Rob. This has been so good. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> tell well, thank me, you for having me. This no, fun. this was absolutely beautiful. It's just what I wanted. Uh, tell people how they can reach you. Uh, yeah, there's several different ways. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Rob Carmack, and um, you can you can find our podcast. Uh, the website for our podcast is alphabeticalspringsteen.com. The name of the podcast is Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet. Uh, the podcast comes out – usually it comes out three times a week. We've been sort of on a, a very short break, but hopefully by the time this airs, we'll be back up. Uh, I do another podcast. Uh, it's just – it's called Collective Church, and it's just our the weekly sermon that I do. And I uh, – you know, it's it, – I mean basically if you, you were listening to me like rant <laughs> just now, then it's it's a lot more – it's it's that. I mean I'm not – you know, I, I basically sound like I sound, so that's uh, – yeah. that's something you're interested in. There's just more of that out there. And um, my – blog which i very rarely update but it's out there it's robcarmackwords.com so i think that's is that all no, <laughs> Do i, I think have so. other ways? Yeah, no that's that sounds perfect um and uh go currently um by the time we see this it'll probably be closed but one of the neat things that rob and jv do is when they finish an alphabet there are always a couple of letters behind. Like right now, they're just they had just were finishing the E's, so they have a pull up on what was the best C song. So and they so that you kind of get to review and go. Um, and so and if you can, after you listen to the podcast, retweet what your score is on a scale one to five, and they will make them happy because they love seeing what other people think about the songs. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that's that's a cool idea. Be sure and, and like at mention us and just tell us like what what number would you give the song? That's that's something Jesse, you're always really cool about doing. And <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, I, I love that because I, I mean, I, any way that we can get people into the conversation, I'm I'm interested. So, um, yeah, and actually, by the time this this airs, it'll probably be the the survey will be what's your favorite D song, and you can vote for up to three songs on the poll. So feel free to go over there and uh, submit your vote. Very nice. And I am at, as I just said, at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is at Set Lusting Bruce, and we have a Facebook page, Set Lusting Bruce, and would love to have people join me. And talk about their Springsteen story, and um, we'll go from there. So, do you have a closing for us? Uh, yeah, yeah. You asked about some sort of like verse or line, and I mean the thing—the thing that has continued to kind of pull me back into reality. Spe- specifically, right now we're recording this during the uh, Republican National Convention, so I feel like this is the right time to read this. Uh, is this is uh, a Bible verse. It's from First John four eighteen, and the the verse is: "There is no fear in love." But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And so essentially we have this differentiation between love and fear, and the calling is always towards love. So if we find our rhetoric gravitating towards fear or violence or darkness, we've taken a wrong turn. You know, that is beautiful. In um, Penn Jillette, I listened to Penn's sunday school and he is in um a very vocal atheist yeah but he talks about that you know love wins is a catchy phrase but he said but even if love doesn't win it's already won he says just love itself is the answer you know and and i i understand what he was saying um because even if it doesn't feel like love's winning it is if you have the love in your heart. So that's a perfect summarize our discussion. So yeah, can we just talk about the irony of of someone who is that staunch and devoutly atheist saying there is something larger at work in the universe right now and it's winning? I mean, come on now, he's got it. He's got it. I mean, he, he's like he's like touching the divine and he doesn't even know it. And so, um, in fact, the the title, the phrase "love wins" comes from the title of a book by a guy named Rob Bell, who's a pastor. So like the whole thing started with something a pastor wrote, and now and, here we are. And that's beautiful. And the truth is I, I think about that often that, um, you know, someone is who is an atheist is acting more Christ-like than someone who is publicly announcing that, you know, they're following, you know, Jesus. So that – It happens every day. Some of the – uh, Yeah, it happens all the time, and it's so um, – you know, and I, I think what did you say one time that your the purpose of your church was to cure a lot of the pains that church has given people? Oh, yeah. Yeah. A, bi- a big part of what we do is we're, we're basically a recovery group for people who have been wounded by religious institutions. So, yeah, I mean, I it, it would be really hard. Like a, bi- a big part of my job is to hear people's like crazy whacked out childhood church stories and to be like, wow, that's that's nuts, you yeah. know. So we'll keep it up, Rob. Thank you for everything you do. Uh, I'm going to call it quits before the Internet uh, dies again. It's my I'm, – I'm positive it's my okay. Internet. It's the worst. Love to your wonderful family. And, and to uh, yours as well. Thank you so much. And we will talk soon. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye, Jesse. Thank you so much. Uh-huh.
that would be so great. You oh, know, actually, the, apropos of nothing, actually, but have you ever seen the old Ben Stiller show episode where he does like it's like a Sesame Street bit, but he's Bruce yes. Springsteen. It's called Counting with Bruce. Have you yes. seen that? Well, I was just going to tell you, I have started a new podcast, mostly for an excuse to be with some friends of mine. A guy named Bob and Junior and I have started a How Many podcast. Okay. And it's the whole premise is, because this was a bit we did as friends, is if you mention Tom Petty and Junior would go, eh, five. What? Five hits. That's it. And you'd start <laughs> naming songs, and he would go, uh, B-side, B-side, deep cut. And so we started doing this podcast, and so I – and we, we take a pop culture figure. Junior gives his, um, you know, guess, and then we go through, and Junior's proved wrong or he's proved right. And it just gives you an excuse to kind of talk about Mel Gibson's movies or Prince's songs. <laughs> And so it's been pretty fun, but when I had to do the, um, you know, introduction, um, I did do that Ben Stiller, him doing one, oh, no two, way. three. Yes, I did. And also, I found um, I found some rhyme like one, two, three, four, five, six, and then I did that, and then I did have you know Stiller going. How far did I get up to? So that's our introduction. <laughs> that's great. It is. So that's very good. Um... It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.